So this morning we're looking at Jesus is the point, but I've added a little subtitle. Jesus is the point, so let go and enjoy Jesus. And this talk is for any control freaks in the room. So before this puts your back up, I'm going to put my hand up and say that I am a massive control freak. And although it's a sliding scale, I know, I think if we're honest, probably every one of us has a little bit of a control freak in us. So I'm going to tell you what this looks like for me. So for me, I want to understand what has happened and I want to understand why. I also want to understand, I want to know that I'm making the right choice and I want to be able to kind of know that I'm going to have a good outcome. So I'm looking for certainty. I'm looking for certainty in terms of understanding what's happened in the past and I'm looking for certainty in terms of kind of guaranteeing an outcome for the future. About seven years ago, my best friend from school, um, she's an amazing Christian woman, an incredible, an incredible girl, and she had a massive impact on my Christian walk. Um, she developed stomach cancer. And I was visiting her, and I was praying, and I was asking God for a verse for Jen. And um, I opened up the Bible um, to Ecclesiastes and saw a verse that I'd never read before. And it's in uh, the New Living Translation. It says, it's from chapter 7, verse 15. I have seen everything in this meaningless life, including the death of good young people and the long life of wicked ones. And it absolutely blew me away for two reasons. One, because it was so specific to the situation I was praying into. And two, because it was not what I expected, because I was praying with faith for Jen's healing. So I continued to pray with faith for healing for Jen. And in the weeks um, leading up to, oh, I need to tell you this. The verse before it says this, remember that nothing is certain in this life. So in the weeks leading up to Jen's death and in the days afterwards, this particular verse was going round and round in my head. Remember that nothing is certain in this life. And parallel to this, um, I had been in um, CBT for anxiety for about six months. And I was sat um, the week after Jen had died in the therapist's room. And the therapist wasn't a Christian. And she said to me, we're coming to the kind of the pinnacle of this therapy, the thing that underpins all the rest of the work that we've done. And it's this, nothing is certain in this life. And I said to her, that's my verse. And I got my Bible out of my bag. It was this Bible. And I showed it to her and I said, look, nothing is certain in this life. I don't know what she thought about that. But um, anyway, so um, that had a massive impact on my life. And what it told me was, nothing is certain in this life, only God is certain. His power, his goodness, and his love for me. So King Solomon, who wrote those verses in Ecclesiastes, uh, was one of the most powerful, wealthiest, and wisest men that have ever lived. And he went on a quest. He, um, He went on a quest to find happiness, purpose, and certainty. And he did this by pursuing wealth and power, pleasure, relationships, hard work, creativity, and wisdom. And his um, conclusion in his pursuit for happiness, for purpose, and certainty was this, meaningless. 
It's meaningless. It's like chasing after the wind. And I had to think and I thought, what does it look like to chase after the wind? And uh, it looks a little bit like this. It looks kind of uh, random and tiring and it looks pointless because I cannot grasp the wind. And if I understood anything about the nature of the wind, I would know that I'm never going to be able to. Not to mention the fact that I look pretty ridiculous trying. So Solomon blows my quest for certainty out of the water. He talks in chapter 8, verse 14 about injustice. He says, in this life, good people are treated like wicked ones. Wicked people are treated like good ones. This is meaningless. He says, I've seen everything in this meaningless life, including the death of good young people like my friend Jen and the long life of wicked ones. In chapter 11, verse 5, it says, You cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. So my quest to understand, to find certainty in understanding the why of what's happened in the past, he blows out of the water. He also blows out of the water my need to guarantee an outcome in the future. In chapter 10, verse 8, it says, When you dig a well, you might fall in it. When you demolish an old wall, you could be bitten by a snake. When you work in a quarry, stones may fall and crush you. He's very cheerful. Um, In verse 14, he says, No one really knows what's going to happen. No one can predict the future. So he blows out of the water my need for certainty in terms of understanding the past and my need to guarantee an outcome for the future. But what does he give us? What does he give us? His conclusion at the end of Ecclesiastes is this. Fear God and do what he says. And for fear, we're going to read awe and reverence. It's an acknowledgement that he is God and that I am not. That he understands and that I do not. And that he is in control and that I am not. And I never was. It's an illusion that I'm in control. And there's a, there's a kind of a vulnerability here that I need to embrace, almost like a nakedness of standing before God and acknowledging you're in control, God, and I am not. Solomon um, says in chapter 3, verse 11, he says, God has put eternity in the hearts of men. So what does that mean in terms of where I come from and where I'm going to? In Revelation chapter 4, it says that I was made for God's pleasure. I was made to walk in the cool of the garden with Jesus. That's walk. It's not chase, pursue, or grasp. I don't know if you can hear the rest in that. So that's where, what I'm made for and where I come from. So where am I going to? In Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, there's joy in your presence. There's pleasure with living with you forevermore. That's what I'm going to. So what this tells me is that I was made to enjoy Jesus. That is my eternal destiny. Jesus fills in Solomon's conclusion um, that I should obey God by saying, when asked what's the greatest commandment, he says, love God. 
Now, that's not just serve God and obey him, although that is in there. He doesn't use those words. He says, love God. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord. So as I let go of my need for certainty about yesterday, my need for certainty about tomorrow, today, as I choose to enjoy Jesus, what I'm actually doing is stepping out into my eternal destiny. That is what I am made for. I'm made to enjoy Jesus because Jesus is the point. He's the point of life. And for the control freaks in the room, like me, this is going to freak you out because you cannot put enjoying Jesus in a box and tie it with a bow and measure it and guarantee the outcome. But Jesus took my inability to let go of the things that I'm chasing and my inability to enjoy him, which is what I'm made for, he took that to the cross and he dealt with it there. And now through the Holy Spirit who lives in me, um, he enables me to do what I could never do in my own strength, which is to let go and enjoy Jesus today. And so my prayer, um, uh, I think it's going to come up. My prayer for a while now has been, and you can make this your prayer for each other this morning, or you could make it your prayer in the week as you get up. So my prayer before I even get up in the morning, while my head is still racing um, and still thinking, anxious about the day is this. God, you are in control and I am not. Today, Holy Spirit, help me to enjoy Jesus and enjoy the people that you've put in my life. So my conclusion now with Solomon is let go and enjoy Jesus because Jesus is the point of life.